This morning, we have a very, very special treat. Um, for those of you who were joining us online the last couple of years, uh, you might recognize uh, we have, we've had many voices over the, over the summer and over the last two years because we were online. Uh, and one of them is our dear good friend and theologian, James Allison, who's out in uh, Spain. And so this is the first time we've ever tried this, so I hope it works. <laughs> but we're going to actually have him live with us um, via Zoom. And uh, I just want to props to our tech team, Matthew, Eric, and Harmon, um, for trying to make this work. And so I'm pretty sure it will work. Um, but James is going to be joining us uh, live from Spain this morning uh, just to open the scriptures up with us. And there he is. Uh, so welcome, James. We're so excited that you're here with us. The floor is yours. It's a pleasure to be with you again. And thank you very much, Wei, for inviting me, especially on this happy day when you're about to go on your sabbatical. And it's wonderful to be with you again in Austin in spirit, and I look forward to another occasion of being with you there in person before too long, I hope. Today's gospel is from John 14. It's the gospel for the sixth Sunday of Easter. And the first question I want to look at with it is that it's obviously part of the build-up towards Pentecost now, the sixth Sunday of Easter. Each Sunday of Easter, we've been dwelling a little bit more fully each time on what it is like to have the life of the risen Lord present in our midst. And next Sunday, we'll celebrate Ascension, and then the Sunday after Pentecost. So here, the sixth Sunday, is when Jesus starts to talk about the Holy Spirit. He talks about how afterward I will give you an advocate. And then he refers to the advocate again. So we're going to be having a look at that. But here's something which is really important, and I think that we don't pay enough attention to this. Most of us, and I, I'm assuming that means most of you, have been brought up with a, an understanding of Christianity, which is all about Jesus going to his cross and his death to pay for our sins. Does that sound about right? A huge amount of time and energy is dedicated to that being what is absolutely central about Christianity. But curiously, when Jesus talks about what he's doing and why he's going through this, he doesn't appear to be half as interested in that. He's much more interested in what he's doing for us long term in sending us the Spirit. In other words, We've, what's the word, short, short-changed ourselves uh, in our understanding. If everything is focused on a picture of Christianity which goes, well, humanity was created good, then Adam fell, so everything was screwed up, but then God decided to pay the price and have Jesus come down to be a human and assuage God's wrath, which needed to be assuaged or else he would have to punish everybody. Um, and so Jesus did that. And uh, anybody who now accepts Jesus and uh, allows Jesus' blood to come upon her or him is saved. And then as an afterthought, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we'd be able to behave well. 
that behave well to be said with the best um, emotional blackmail voice, you know, preferably Miss Piggy voice, uh, because that's the it's the demand for good behaviour. I have suffered for you now. Behave, okay, and that reduces the Holy Spirit to being, as it were, the boring extra fuel that comes along in order to get us to behave properly. But that's not at all what Jesus seems to be talking about. And we'll see how in this gospel he's beginning to open up to us what he thinks he's doing in opening up the possibility of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. He thinks that really that's what it's all about because it's that that's going to make it possible. What he's doing is going to make it possible for the life of God to be lived among us, by us, between us and within us at a horizontal level. So no longer top-down God, whom we need to placate in some way, but friendly God with us, who wants to work with us relationally, sideways, at a human level, opening us up, enabling us to become dwelling places of God, so that God's dwelling can be with humans, which of course had been promised from Isaiah onwards. In other words, he thinks of his death much more as a the end of the process that's necessary for giving the spirit than he does, I must pay a price and then you must be warring. It's a completely different, completely different approach. One I want to take us into a little bit. Here's the first thing in today's gospel. Today's gospel begins when Jesus answers one of the disciples, actually Judas, but not the Iscariot, the Judas who in, in Catholic language is called San Judas Tadeo, um, not the Iscariot, who had asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Because Jesus had said that he would reveal himself to them, but not to the world. Now, in that question, Judas asks, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us? But Jesus answers in a rather different way. Jesus answers, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's actually his answer to Judas's question. We often read as though he's a bit like a politician simply ignoring the question was answered and saying what he wants. But in fact, he is actually directly answering the question because the answer is, I will not be revealing myself to you. I will be revealing myself in you. Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. In other words, you are going to be the way that I am going to be revealed. It's as you come alive in me, allow yourself to be indwelt by me. Allow yourself to become a dwelling for the Father and me, that I will be revealed. It's not going to be a revealing outside, it's going to be through you. You are going to become the body of Christ in the literal sense. You're going to become my visibility in the world. And then he says the reverse. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine. No, actually, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. He's saying, those people will not be revealing me. They won't be able to show off, give away 
delate in some way the fact that I'm alive in the midst of them. It's in hearing, loving, and doing that you will find yourself becoming me. The dwelling, the Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So instead of being, uh, if you like, powered by an important someone group outside us who might punish us or threaten us so that there is a wicked they out there and inside there is a trembling little I and the wicked they is such a threat that the trembling I has constantly got to find ways of protecting itself and becomes really quite paranoid and conspiratorial in trying to hold on to itself because they is so wicked. No, that's part of how the world works. So no, the father, so a non-wicked outside other, will come and will dwell in you with me. So my I will be reformed by an other who loves my I into being. And you, each one of you, will become the witness to this. You will be made witnesses of me. That's how my appearing is going to look like. You see, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. In other words, there is a word quake going on here. An act of communication is opening up, which will become alive in you. You will become bearers of the Father's act of communication. You will become bearers of the word that for the moment is just me, but is about to become you too. You will be spreading and bearing this word to other people, simply by the fact of becoming alive as witnesses. Then he says, I've said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So let's think of this term, the Advocate. Why an Advocate? We are used to an advocate from a court procedure. And that is the origin of the term advocate for us and in the, and in the Hebrew scriptures as well. Because the word behind the Greek, which we have in St. John, parakletos, is the Hebrew word goel, which means redeemer. And imagine that if you were in an ancient Middle Eastern city and there was some squabble, some dispute that needed to be solved, you would take your case to the city gates. And at the city gates, there would be two officials. One would be the Goel, the Redeemer, the defense counselor, the advocate, and the other would be the Satan, the accuser, which is where we get our word Satan from. It's why in the book of Revelation, we hear the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. The presence of the defense counselor means that the uh, prosecuting attorney has disappeared in, in chaos, in high doldrums. The defense counselor has managed to set free those who are being accused. So that's going to be the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to precisely be undoing all the accusatory theys who are out to get you, thus enabling you to be built up from within and become sons and daughters of God living in peace. This advocate, this defense counselor, 
the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name. And that means in my person. It means that literally everything of Jesus' life, the whole pattern of his life, his pattern of desire, what he was doing, is going to be made available for us so that we can inhabit it. If a person is still alive, we can never, um, what is the word, completely take on board their spirit, if you like, because they're still there. They're potentially rivalrous with us. We can only imitate them. We can imitate them very closely. But there's always the danger of some rivalry, of some stumbling block coming between us. But if the whole pattern of desire of that person, what they were doing, what they were wanting to do, and doing it for us, is given to us without that person being alive, then we're set free to become that person and much more. And that's what Jesus has insistently been telling them is going to happen. The Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and bring to mind all that I have said to you. In other words, you're going to yourselves discover the inner meaning, the sense, which you probably have had difficulty picking up now, the inner sense of everything that I've been trying to tell you, and you're going to know it as your own. Because it's the Father's words. I have been bringing it, making it humanly available, but it's the Father who is going to enable those words to come speaking through you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Please notice that here he's talking before the crucifixion in John's Gospel. But remember that at the very end of John's Gospel, when he appears to the disciples on the first evening of the resurrection, he comes into the locked room, and the first thing he says is, peace be with you. And then he shows themselves, then he shows them his hand and his uh, scars, and says again, peace be with you. In other words, he's giving a dry run. He's giving a dry run here for what he's going to do there. Even to the extent that at that meeting, if you remember, Thomas wasn't present. And Thomas wanted to see uh, the real thing and so he wouldn't believe unless he saw Jesus and touched him and so on. But then when he does and does recognize him, Jesus says to him, are you so uh, blessed because you believe? Blessed rather are those who believe even without seeing. And that's something which Jesus is trying to explain here. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a sort of a compensation prize for me. You had me while I was with you, and I was kind of big and strong and important. And now you have kind of whiffle God, a sort of a, uh, a sort of wispy, rather difficult uh, to imagine and not really very tangible version of God. But that's a kind of a consolation prize. He's saying, no, the whole point of my having gone to the Father the whole point of my going up to death, of occupying the space of death for you, living through it, as it were, making, taking away death's sting, is so that you no longer be, need be run by it, but you can instead be run by the Holy Spirit. You can be run by God's Spirit. I'm doing this for you so that you can have abundant life. That's the whole purpose of what I'm doing here. If I were still around, you wouldn't be able to get it. But because I'm going, you're going to be able to get it much, much more. He emphasizes time and time again that it's this is what he's really doing. He really wants to enable us to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really is the gift that he is making it available for the Father 
to give us. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I am coming to you. And often enough, we uh, imagine those as being, well, first he goes away and then he comes back in the resurrection. But in fact, in John's gospel, the going away and the coming are the same thing. That's the whole point of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God as expelled coming upon us. Jesus is God expelled by violent humans. And the gift is God still coming back as the expelled one, so that we who fear being expelled, fear being cast out, can live peacefully without fear of being cast out. If you love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. He said, yeah, if you love me, this is what I'm doing. You, you wouldn't be afraid that I'm going away. No. The peace that the world gives is the sort of peace where people get together and throw someone out and then feel, ah, oh, now we're okay. Now we're at peace. He said, but I'm going to give you the peace that the world does not give, because I'm occupying that space gently deliberately out of affection for you so that you no, no longer have to be run by that terrible, terribly denigrating and dehumanizing form, way of being. Instead, I'm occupying that space so that the one who is thrown out comes, that one who will be able to dwell in you. And because of that, you'll be able to put up with all the violence and fear of the world peacefully, without fear. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occurs, when it does occur, you may believe. In other words, what's he setting them up for? He's setting them up for a time when they are going to be free of any of the traps of an outside God bullying and vengeance, people who want to make you believe that they've got to fit you into a tight box for you to be good. Saying, no, 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 no. Because I love you. I've made it possible, and I'm going to make it possible for the Holy Spirit to inhabit you. That's the whole point of my coming, is to make Holy Spirit available for you, so that you can live freely. And you're going to find it very difficult to believe that, because you're so used to depending on authorities and people bullying you and thinking that the world is a power game, that you'll find it very, very difficult to believe. But I've told you this beforehand, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the freedom that is coming upon you, the freedom to learn to be sisters and brothers who are able to give yourselves away in peace and joy to each other without being afraid. That's what I've come to set up for you. That's the beginning of eternal life. That's what I want to share with you. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.